0: Welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action, Entertainment Reviews
1: Podcast.
2: Let's track this from the beginning. We start with something pure. Something exciting. Then... almost something new shit told ya okay so far you like it i'm feeling it yeah
0: why stop there our marvel cinematic universe retrospective continues this is it this is the path I started us on On this episode, we will be discussing and reviewing Marvel's Phase 3, Part 1. Our
2: very strength invites challenge.
0: Challenge incites conflict. This episode will contain spoilers. Conflict breeds catastrophe.
2: The thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. Yes, Run it's been Epic Forces of Darkness and Light.
3: What a world. Universe now. And now here are your hosts for this
0: retrospective, Mike Winkle, Alistair Engelhart, Daniel English, Jeremy Larson, and Jason Kabasek. Welcome back listeners lights camera action is back with the marvel retrospective and we are here with number five to the group for the marvel edition hello jason
4: hello hello everyone
0: and returning jeremy larson alistair englehart and dan english how you doing gentlemen
3: doing well <laughs> fantastic living the dream <laughs> So are we gonna are we gonna immediately call out Alistair's stark goatee <laughs> on his face? I thought it was it was well suited at <laughs> least well, yeah, three yeah, gotta weeks, the the three weeks. <laughs> yeah
1: right <laughs> three weeks I had to you this. see this
4: Alistair? you see this right here two weeks.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't grow anything. The only what way what this what
0: would what happen what is CGI. <laughs> hey, hey, it might be like, you know, Justice League, where to CGI the mustache off you.
1: <laughs>
0: God. But but so, yeah, guys, we are to Marvel Phase 3. Uh Tonight's going to be Part 1, which is going to be the first seven movies of the Marvel Phase, because this is a big 11 movie one compared to the six we did in Phase 1 and Phase 2. So, um... Okay, so we're jumping into what I think is going to be a great argument between Jeremy and Dan. We're going to start out with Captain America Civil War. So who (laughs) wants to kick it off?
4: Uh, I assume we go ahead and start it off with the forerunner here. Mike, you go ahead. Take the floor.
0: Okay. Um, Well, first of all, um, Civil War is... uh, I know a lot of people regard it as being the best Captain America movie. A lot of people consider that... Me, myself, I love Civil War, but my biggest gripe with it is the fact that it feels too much like an Avengers movie and a little less a Captain America movie. Mm.
5: Uh, I think sure. I'll have to disagree with you on that. I think the okay, the subject matter is what makes it a Captain America movie. Mm.
4: I will agree mm. with Jeremy on that. The subject matter did make it a Captain America movie. At the same time, I will agree with Mike on his point here uh about how it just felt more like an adventure movie compared to like being a normal captain america movie compared yeah. to the other two compared to the other two at least this is personally like i get flack for this all the time even though i am team iron man sorry dan uh <laughs> i will say that this is probably my weakest movie in phase three.
3: Yeah, so I, I think one of the reasons it's so <laughs> similar to Avengers is because it has a full cast, such a full cast for such a large portion of the movie. And the drama from the Captain America storyline, while I agree, Jeremy, is totally in line with Captain America's not less action, but just much more political intrigue. They're almost like political thriller movies yeah. um, spills out into the rest of the Avengers universe. And I mean to your point, Jason, Civil War is probably one of my favorite of not just phase three, but the entire Marvel series altogether. Uh,
4: which I can see at people's yeah. points on that as well. Like But phase three has like such gonna... a strong
3: showing, you exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. It's not
4: like I'm gonna discredit any movie from the others compared to the compared to the entire MCU or phase three in general. It's just compared to everything else that is in phase three. I thought this was the weakest showing personally. Weaker
3: than Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh,
4: yeah. Oh, he makes yeah. A good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ant-Man and the Wasp was slightly ahead in my opinion.
3: Hey, that's fair. Wow, that's mate. fair. Each their own. So you all remember that when I'm advocating for Captain America's person,
4: <laughs> go ahead, bring it on, bring the hate, I can feed on it.
3: Yeah, I I love it's Civil my turn War. now,
4: sir. Up, huh? it's my turn to play the role of villain in this. <laughs> so he's gonna. What have about a, what about you, Al? Sticky moment. Um.
2: Yeah, I so Civil War. I actually rewatched it recently with uh, with Aaron. I really enjoy Civil War. I I think um, I I feel like it's one of those movies that I catch a little bit more of the story and the drama of it each time I watch it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the first time that I watched it, I definitely got that Avengers feel, and I and I never really kind of thought about it that way. Um, it's a lot of content. It's a very intense story, and I almost feel like it could have been a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways to to really i mean it it. was already (laughs) it was already so long and
3: 47 minutes yeah yeah so maybe
2: maybe that could have been two movies but um i do like that i was very surprised by the um the twist at the end yeah um with uh with all of the other uh winter soldiers being killed (laughs) yeah Yeah. i wasn't expecting that and um i wasn't expecting it to be some intricate um um, movement or intricate scheme to really basically turn the Avengers against themselves. I thought that yeah. was really cool. I liked that. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a, um, I mean, in terms of novel villains, um, that
3: was probably about as novel as it had been in a long time. Um, sure. For the Marvel movies. So. Well, in a sense, I almost don't view Civil War as having a central villain. Mm-hmm. I almost, the villain is like, A plot mechanic to bring the group to a boil not that he doesn't exist but i mean we don't know of him before this movie we don't know of him after this movie Mm -hmm. justice has served him in a a pretty merciful empathetic way from Mm -hmm. t'challa and it's so it's just like this one for me is about the group and the inner inner workings of it and the politics jeremy yeah yeah Yeah, the
5: the the antagonists are just so much more about themselves than it is about the actual person kind of just playing puppet master and having them go off against each other
3: yeah and i love that about this movie (laughs) i think one of the so here's one of the aspects i found and continue to find so compelling about civil war is it's almost it adds a new reality to the MCU as a whole, because it takes these discrete adventures that they've all been on and forces the group to see and deal with the consequences. I mean, the Marvel series on Netflix vaguely mention hell's kitchen they vaguely Mm -hmm. mention what happened in new york but this is the first time that we're seeing feeds and faces of of you know property damage deaths political fallout from their involvement worldwide and Mm -hmm. i just thought that scene when uh when thunderbolt ross is showing them those feeds was such an effective way to take superhero movies to the next level and kind of legitimize them in a way that makes their plot lines even though they're still contrived and fantastical but like yeah. made it made it so much more believable yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, and there's it,
2: real consequences yeah, yeah. yeah. I, re- I loved that why Tony, Tony was just right on yeah.
0: it's the first it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the first Marvel movie with actual consequences for the characters and the world they live in
3: yeah. Yeah. That scopes outside of both the relationships and the limits of a single movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And that was that was amazing to me. And that trend kind of leaks later on. You look at Spider-Man Homecoming and um, the the entire business that we see the villains in is due to the fact of the Jatari having invaded new york and yeah yeah, so it just continues to be one of the most impressive pieces of continuity in the whole universe
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah it makes sense i mean think of it this way too you know it's the movie that also gave us spider-man it also gave us black panther yeah you know um and does a great job uh uh, getting them involved (laughs) because i mean at this point every avengers had their screen time they've had their moments and it's not necessarily the easiest thing to incorporate two new big adventures into one movie and make it work where they feel like their, um, their characters mean something.
1: Yeah.
0: In it. Uh, and they did a good job of, of making Spider-Man uh, giving him something worthwhile to do, make him part of the story. And mm-hmm. even black Panther, he gets, I think the best introduction here because they really make him a central part of the plot early on mm-hmm. to what happens with this.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is where Marvel shines above DC. Because again, you talk about Justice League, which introduced like three or four top paid actors that weren't even hinted at. And it's almost mm-hmm. easy to forget that Spider-Man and Black Panther hadn't yet had their their own films, because I think they fit right in. And they even though we don't have quite their characters fleshed out for us yet, they're still so unique from everyone else. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm.
3: Which is, I love that about Marvel is how all the characters are so consistent among themselves. Um, And even this time around, one of the criticisms I had was that the story arc that, tony takes in iron man 3 is kind of walked back but this time i did catch dialogue between him and and steve that they explained it a little bit why his recovery in 3 wasn't a full recovery and so i think they did a really good job of of realizing that all of the decisions that he could make in that movie were on the foundation of
1: instability
3: and uh, mental health issues. So,
0: <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Iron Man three, Dan, because that leads me to a good question. Um, yeah, because you said about walking that back a little bit, and I felt that way too. Do you feel like like watching this movie now and looking back at Iron Man three that Iron Man three almost feels like the ugly duckling, odd one out, where it just feels so different from the flow that Marvel was doing that it still kind of almost
3: feels out of place. I mean, in terms of continuity, that's one of my main criticisms of the movie. I love the Mm -hmm. fun that they started to have with Iron Man, both with giving it a little bit more um, levity throughout versus just Iron Man's mischievousness. Uh, But then Mm -hmm. I also like that they started to play with the kinds of villains that he faced and moved away from arc reactor villains. Mm. But yeah, yeah, in terms of continuity, I think Iron Man 3 feels like Something that happened that nobody kind of not as bad as, but similar to Incredible Hulk, in the sense like an alternate that, like, universe. Char- yeah, the characters still exist and they still kind of reference it, but apart from that, it's it's pretty weak as a member of the yeah. the whole arc.
4: I do have to agree.
3: Yeah. Well,
0: I think that leads us into our uh, team Cap, team well, Iron Man argument. Yeah,
3: okay. <laughs>
4: So,
1: in other all
4: all the words, all I'm hearing is that this is just, all right, Jeremy and Dan, you have the floor. <laughs> okay, so I feel like I should be the moderator here. So <laughs> That's
3: fair. Make uh, <laughs> sure we get equal time, because I'm going to talk like crazy.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2020 Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe debate. Wrong. Today, I have Jeremy Larson for uh, Team Iron Man, and I have Dan English for Team
4: Cap. All so, right. uh, Jeremy Larson. Team Iron Man, you have, you the, have floor. the floor. Yep. You have Who has the floor? floor? Jeremy Larson has the floor You'll, for Team all Iron righty. Man. Alrighty. Okay.
5: Um, I think there's a lot to be said about being on Team Iron Man. I think uh, <laughs> home, it, there was a little bit of... Um, I like the low <laughs> voice, Jeremy. There, <laughs> there was not uh, the best description by Al uh, where he was exactly right in our last uh, episode do it because he said he was going to eat his words with that i believe that iron man was right to a point Mm
1: -hmm.
5: now (laughs) you should have heard it when he said give me a break like it's he wanted this to at least not break up the team as a whole Mm
1: -hmm. the
5: sokovia accords was a starting point now from then on like i know i know that team cap would say it pushes the blame onto somebody else but it is the fact that they're going to realize that the Accords are not perfect. The Accords are just something to start off of. It needed to be a stepping point to where the Avengers needed to put that first bit of trust into the governments of the world so that they could make responsible decisions. And when they did not make those responsible decisions, they could go back and rework it. This is something that should have it should have been taken into account, but Steve has kind of too uh, tunnel vision when it comes to Bucky. I feel like that's one very big struggling point with uh, Team Cap is that it's too much friendship till the end of the line garbage.
3: Mm. So I, I think that's great because I'd love to illuminate what I think <laughs> Team Cap is about because I, I think the first thing we both would have to acknowledge is that Steve Rogers and Tony Stark are both, um, maybe, maybe not Steve at first, but the second Steve goes to Agent Carter's funeral, he and Tony Stark are equally emotionally invested in their perspectives. And I think that's where they both do the most incorrect things, is when they just become blinded by the emotional attachment to their perspectives but i'm i'm far more interested in analyzing them from their ideological perspectives because that's where i think captain america gets things so right not just for the sake of bucky but i do think that the pursuit of bucky is a perfect example of what is wrong with ceding control of the avengers from the avengers to some international intergovernmental organization and so to me captain america's main point is not that we don't need oversight not that we don't need to be responsible for our actions but that the conscience of the individuals in the avengers is the best seat for that responsibility and and i mean gosh there's so many angles that i wanted to go into there's like the corrupt nature and actions of the intergovernmental and national organizations in the marvel cinematic universe and in the sense that they tie it to the real world the corrupt actions of the actual intergovernmental institutions in our world here on earth but then just like the 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 voice piece uh, or mouthpiece of the Sokovia Accords, as first introduced to them, is Thunderbolt Ross. Or the irony's not lost on me that you know he stormed a college campus and was like open firing to to get the Hulk to rage out on a college campus, and the Hulk is one of those issues that they're dealing with that he created, and so it's it's almost like. There, there's no perfect scenario in which no lives are lost. And part of the weight of this movie is that they brought that realism to the fore, but then they also attached to the emotional aspect of that, okay, we need to control this group with some sort of you know, treatise or something. Captain America says, I think it's when he's talking to um, Wanda, he says, we try to save as many people as we can. I think I wrote it down here. Uh, sometimes it doesn't mean everybody but if we can't find a way to live with that next time maybe nobody gets saved and then when he's talking to Tony he says if we if we surrender our right to choose what if we want to go somewhere that we're not allowed and what if we have to go somewhere um, that we shouldn't go and so his main point I don't think is that the Avengers don't need oversight but rather that as individuals they are their own best oversight and giving getting rid of their own personal choice prevents them from being immune to the the tendency of government organizations to be corrupt by the agendas of the people that lead them that's my that's my main attachment to his point is that you know who who ought to control these people
5: now I think that the you the fact that you bring up that the Avengers don't need oversight but they just need the right to choose that is uh, that's uh, not what I said or well sorry yeah. can you repeat that once again so I can I don't clear? think
3: they should cede oversight in the form of the Sokovia Accords to the intergovernmental the UN I, I just That that was my point, because I mean, Captain Rhodes says, oh, it's 117 nations. It's not the World Security Council. It's not Hydra. It's not shield. And I'm thinking, okay but what's the difference of all these organizations Mm -hmm. that the U.N. hasn't had their scandal yet that we know of? Mm -hmm. And so Captain America's point, someone who, you know, fought Hydra then fought S.H.I.E.L.D. as it was taken over by Hydra and influenced by the World Security Council, which really (laughs) is very similar to the United Nations, except maybe it's a shadow organization of fewer people. Um, His point is just, uh, what's that line he says? He says, but it's led by people with agendas and agendas change. And I just think that's such a salient point to, to say, once we're not in control of it anymore, we're at the behest of the people who do control it and who's to say that their oversight of us will be any better than our oversight of ourselves
2: Who's that, to that, say that, that? The, that the avengers oversight would be any better than the government's
3: precisely and so so the effect the efficacy of the oversight isn't really what's in question here it's the ideal it's the ideology of of the right of conscience it's it's are you because you're a spectacular person, because you're very strong, or because the government injected you with a serum, or you were exposed to gamma radiation, or you're a mutant, or because you're super rich and you developed these personal prosthesis devices? Does do those things or you're an Asgardian alien who absolutely has no, <laughs> you know, he's the he's the the heir apparent of some totally other realm? just because you're spectacular the government has the right to control you and use their use you for their own means which was already happening mind you to captain america and so from his perspective privatizing it was a blessing and not not a a, a damage and so it's almost like any damage caused by the avengers is a justification to implement international sanctions on them what's the, what's the What's the trade-off? I mean, what are they preventing each time? And yeah, it is Tony Stark's fault. That's another thing. I think I'm all over the place right now, but I think Tony Stark is emotionally vulnerable because of the state of his relationship with Pepper, because of the post-traumatic stress disorder he's suffering from when he saw the fleet in space when he went through the portal. And due to the fact that he's... He's just constantly grinding against this end that he can't control. Um, And then he feels really guilty because if you think about Sokovia specifically, that was all his fault. You know, Mm -hmm. it was his misdecision that that didn't have him, you know, with the results that he needed that. And so in his mind, I think the boy who reminds him of the man he could have been had he not lived a, a scandalous life um, that death is on his hands. And so, yeah, yeah
2: I agree. I, I, I yeah. do think that Tony, in terms of his adherence to the ideology is, is definitely more emotionally and possibly even pridefully motivated. Yeah. Um, cause he recognizes, um, you know, what, what he caused and, and feels guilt over that. Um, though I don't, I don't think like as a, as a, an obvious counter in my mind is vision. Uh, I don't think that's at all impacting vision's adherence to the ideology.
1: Right.
3: Yeah. Um, it will. See, and I think is... I just think vision is wrong. I, so vision talks about maybe vision is right in the sense that there's a correlation between the rise of enhanced individuals and the rise of world potential world ending events. Maybe that correlation is sound. But when you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because we also have the benefit of looking at Civil War through hindsight, right. first of all, Foremost, Tony's primary argument that if they don't cede to the oversight of the United Nations, something worse is down the road. That doesn't happen. They don't cede to the Sokovia Accords in any meaningful way. And as a matter of fact, the people that don't cede end up being the ones to help them from an even greater threat. And that threat, by the way, is Thanos having been working that threat across the galaxy almost. You know, if not for the presence of enhanced beings and infinity stones on Earth, he wouldn't have even been drawn there to where he was defeated. Um, so I don't want to get into results-based thinking, but every plot <clears throat> that happens since the discussion of the Sokovia Accords actually bolsters Captain America's view. Um I feel like I've I've
1: talked I don't know. quite a bit. Yeah,
2: about- I just cause I it's hard because we can't go back and see what that relationship between the, you know, the, the intergovernmental agency and the Avengers would have looked like, you know, right. I, I'm sure the Avengers would have been giving them this, this intel that they had. And, you know, in an ideal world, you know, they would have recognized, you know, someone like the Wakandan King, who even, you know, he passed, I'm imagining him as a member of this um, council that probably would have seen reason if, if it was presented to him.
4: Most um,
3: councils do, right? Yeah right. So, uh, See, but
4: think, you know, thing, listening I'm to
5: coming back to to the fact that you yeah. you you talk about everyone in the United Nations Council uh, having their own agendas, but that still comes back to the issue of trust. If they're not able to trust that the world that they live in can make decisions that are that important to that 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 important to the world as a whole. Mm-hmm then how in the world is it supposed to work out one side against the other the government's always going to be against you if you're yeah. choosing to do your own thing
3: well so i may and maybe this is my american streak but i believe that good institutions are built with a centralized mistrust of that institution and a, and a very keen awareness of its possibility to be corrupted so if the government doesn't trust these you know sovereign people to be the the determinants of what they themselves do why would they have trust in the government and but that's that's even my point is they have very good reason to not trust their government because their government in almost each film has in some way been involved in some self-interested conspiracy against them I mean even look at what they do with the information on Bucky right so Captain America's argument is that no, no one is better at at knowing where we should and shouldn't be than we are ourselves. So the government was fooled by a plot to frame Sergeant Bucky Barnes or whatever his title was that he was a domestic terrorist, and Captain's Captain America's own information on that was what they needed. But they got into a tunnel vision mode. They did. An execution of a no knock warrant in a crowded apartment complex. They're firing automatic rifle rounds. They're blowing off grenades. They call in a chopper to shoot high caliber bullets at a residential building. And all of this is supposed to be the actions of the people advocating for the Sokovia Accords. This is supposed to make Captain America feel like he should say, you know what, you're right. All these actions are telling me that you know, I should, I should listen to you and your information and your slow, wise movement, they're causing just as much damage as the Avengers. They and just that's don't the have. The problem is yeah. that they
5: need to, they need to realize people need to make mistakes before they come to a uh, more elaborate, elaborate conclusion that will be best for both parties. Sure. It has to be equal to everybody that's around. It can't just be one side against the other the entire time. Now I get the Avengers; they're all special, they're all super powered yeah. individuals, but there has to be a, a there has to be a, a middleman. There has to be something in between that vastly communicates what's going on with each side and how they interpret that. Because it's it doesn't make any sense for the Avengers to still be off in a private business causing all sorts of damage that they don't clean up. They don't. They, they, no, no, no. Even Zemo talks about it. Is that after uh, the events of Age of Ultron, they just flew away? They didn't do any. They didn't do anything to help out.
3: I mean, I. Yeah. So from my understanding, the Avengers had a whole relief network that they would send um what were they called the iron the iron legion or something i don't remember but i th- i was under the impression that their philanthropic their philanthropic efforts were pretty pretty crazy too yeah i mean they even go so far as stark buys a building under construction before so he that... damages it i i <laughs> to say they don't do anything and but here's my point so aliens come to earth right mm-hmm. whose responsibility is it to to stop that and just because you have the ability to stop it does then that sorry, mean guys. you have to i lost it locked up on me go ahead okay oh are we okay but yeah sorry <laughs> was it was it recording it yeah, was still streaming live.
0: It stopped recording, recording, but yeah, it still streamed live. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Technical difficulties. No, my... that's fine. I wondered where you went. I don't know. I I'm obviously it's a movie magic, but mm-hmm. I just I the ideal of personal responsibility and individual liberty rings really strongly in this movie for me mm-hmm. because all we've seen from the organizations is corruption and you know, manipulation.
5: Yeah. I think and that's, and that's a oh sorry. Sorry, Al, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: Oh, you're okay. I was just gonna make a quick point. I, I think for me that's where the, the the tug is is because I do think in the Marble universe there's a slightly more government bad bias than there is in the real world. Um, to, like if 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 we were talking about this real world, I think that government <laughs> being a um, a good institution generally and in, in the, in the purpose it's been given to play um, would, would definitely, I, I think that's kind of what the tug is for me. I think that's where I'm kind of having a hard time coming up on Captain America is gonna come, I'm, I'm seeing it from how I would make the decision if, this, if these were real people in our world making these types of decisions. And I mm-hmm. think I'd wanna see that type of accountability if they were human beings here. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying, like in, in the movie, uh, especially, I mean, with the Hydra overtake. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can well, that, see how you know, that, see, that, that
3: that's kind of pushes base, us. Yeah. That's, that's certainly fictionalized, and it's certainly yeah. exaggerated, but that's all based on things that actually happen. Sure,
1: sure. I that's, mean, that's, look that's at Maoist the
3: China. Look at USSR. Look at, you know, the Third Reich. Look at modern-day China and some of the stuff that's been going on with, like, organ harvesting or whatever is going on. It's, sure, it's not a stranger to our real life world to say that government institutions can and often do corrupt themselves given enough time and enough power. And yeah. look at, I, I just would feel really uncomfortable, you know, well, <laughs> it's funny too, cause I realize you're watching the boys. So you probably have this fresh perspective on what these less right. noble heroes might be up to. All right, um, so
4: I had to cut you off here. I just want to hear what if Jeremy has any counter arguments to anything here.
5: Yeah, sure. See, here's the here's the issue: is that in this in the Sokovia Accords, it could be one of those world like togetherness sort of events where, as if if all of the the strongest and most talented people in the known world can come together with the government. Why couldn't everybody else be at peace with that and try and improve as a society rather than be against each other as the entire, in in a national sense. And I think that's that's where Captain America falls is because he has been led with so much distrust in all of his movies. In, In all of his past doings, there's always been mistrust. Mm-hmm. There's always been some sort of deceitfulness behind it. And I think that's why it, it's hard for Cap to trust anybody. Yeah. And I know and I'm like beating a dead horse. With no, the, no, the,
3: I, the g- I I, actually agree with that ideal.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But I think Captain America has the experience. And it's also no wonder he's the oldest and he's seen the most. Well, no, that's not he's true. He's only the oldest because he was, in, he because was, he was frozen. For a lot. For, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But he's seen a lot. I mean, to live your life in pre-World War II going through that and then to live another 15 years, like, that's experience no one else has. But his mistrust, you're treating it like it's a negative thing when I, I respect the ideal, but the only thing that brings the adversarial relationship between the world and the Avengers is is them wanting, you know, what do they they want to do other than tell them what they can and cannot do? I would be fine if the Sokovia Accords was like, hey, here's the damage you caused. You have to pay for this. You have to do restorative construction in Sokovia and in, um, you know, D.C. and New York and all the places that you've ruined. You have to you know give reparations to these families you're you're going to be prosecuted for x y and z but the reality is that they're facing such astronomical fantastical threats that the collateral is it sounds pragmatic but it's more than acceptable
5: see that's that I will agree with you there I feel like the sheer amount of damages both uh property emotionally the casualty list that comes with it is far beyond astronomical yeah. and i think it's too much to bring on to people at one point mm-hmm. but as an overtime thing it would probably be a little bit more um balanced
1: mm-hmm. i
5: think
3: um but i i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean thunderbolt ross says the people Owe the Avengers an unpayable debt. So they're at least they understand that the things the Avengers have done Mm -hmm. are really of inestimable value. They've, it really though, like any threat they faced, you could argue that they caused it or didn't. No one else could have stepped up to that challenge other than the Avengers. And then I, the one really compelling point for me about the fallacy of maybe it's not a fallacy about the error of Tony's position is when he's talking to Cap and he finally opens up and he says, you know, we were on the rocks, I blew up my suits and then I couldn't stop. And then I couldn't stop. And he talks about how he doesn't wanna stop doing what he's doing. And he doesn't want to lose, lose Pepper Potts, and the Sokovia Accords are a middle ground. And so, what he's showing is that the Sokovia Accords, from his perspective, are actually like his own personal gain. He wants to make a concession in his own personal life about his inability to uh, sorry control to himself. I'll just back yeah. Right in
4: just a second, guys.
3: Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Just his inability to control himself, and and that's where. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark does a lot of growing in phase three, and I I don't dislike him by any means, but I think the parts of him that he struggles with are why he's why he passionately holds to these views. Whereas Captain America has proven himself to be, you know, relatively incorruptible. Not ultimately, but, but I mean he yeah. wields Thor's hammer, for goodness sake. But even
5: Oh my gosh, but even they call him out where he's saying he is extremely
3: arrogant and that's one thing I can't get past is that he... he, No, that's Don Cheadle calling him arrogant because he thinks the United Nations are beyond corruption.
5: But it's also... And I think that's arrogant
3: for him to think that the United Nations are beyond corruptible.
5: I'll agree with that. Yeah. But I do think that Captain America's high and mighty position that he kind of takes upon himself, I think it's... I don't know borderline god complex because he thinks he's I, I I get it he's got experience but he's emotionally blinded by his relationship with bucky in this entire film like yeah it, I agree I agree and, and and I and stark is the same way he is emotionally blinded by the whole thing I think if they weren't so incredibly um what's the word I'm looking for? If they weren't so mentally unstable in this movie, I think things would have gone a lot smoother. And I think they've been able to talk about it and to get
3: things, get the ball rolling. But I, I just, so what about here? I, I, it's funny because I think one of the beautiful things about this movie is both of the points are very compelling and Mm -hmm. they both have a lot weighing for them. What do you think about Pretty much the moment they start to enact the Sokovia Accords, it criminalizes over half of the Avengers, including um, including, confining Wanda to her quarters, like imprisoning her, essentially.
5: That part I didn't necessarily agree with, um, yeah. because it... No, I get that Wanda's incredibly powerful, but the fact that they just... <laughs> So is Arnold Schwarzenegger.
3: We don't throw him in jail.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I I just I thought that was wrong because I feel like she should experience a normal life. Depend. I mean, would they have done the same thing to Thor if he was around?
3: Yeah. Well, they didn't do the same thing to Hulk. Exactly.
5: Which it it but
3: it's like her. That's what I never understood about the position of the Sokovia Accords is. Wanda was actively attempting to contain and divert damage. and she just so happened to not be strong enough to do it. Um, it's kind of this I don't know. It's like the Hulk does he I don't know, culpability is a is a an interesting thing in this universe. Hey, awesome you're the host meeting. now. Congratulations, Jeremy! <laughs> Sweet, I'm hosting. It's so great. What should we? Do? Let's change the topic. What should we talk <laughs> about now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I.
5: No, um, but I, I will. I will think that Cap was holding a lot of things back, uh, going going into the movie, kind of getting away from the team Cap versus team uh, Stark, but it was just more of, um, I. I there was a lot of information withheld that could have deterred a lot of tension in the final moments of the film.
3: Yeah, I agree.
5: Um, And I think that was definitely 100% Steve's fault. Yes. He should have been open and honest about what had happened with Bucky and with his parents, because, okay, looking at this from a personal standpoint, right? Both, Uh, Iron Man and Captain America did not trust each other going into the very first Avengers because they thought they were, you know, they they were, they were two sides of the same coin, basically. Even he, Tony despises Cap because he is the main reason that he had a bad relationship with his father. (laughs) Because in you know howard's mind he had already made you know the the great experiment and that was you know tony stark and helping out with that whole thing yeah um and then going further it's just like he he built up that trust with steve throughout all of these movies only for the the one person that he did not like going into this venture of the avengers to betray him to lie to him and to completely well, turn hold his back on a on, second. Oh no no. Okay, hold yeah. on Go a ahead. second.
3: Go all ahead. right,
4: all right, guys. All right, we've talked about this. So a So I'm gonna throw in my two cents <laughs> here, anyway, at least, only because my standpoint of why I am more for Team Iron Man compared to Team Cap here is more based off of the comics uh lore compared to the mcu universe mm-hmm. and that was here like in the final battle you like, you've got captain america standing over uh stark ready to deliver him the final blow like he had beaten stark down but as he's getting ready to deliver the final blow you've got policemen emts firefighters you've got all these normal but humans that are running in, trying to restrain him, trying to get him to, you know, not be this, this villain in their eyes, Trying, you know, up represent the, what in their eyes they believe, you know, their hero, their idol is. And it was with all this going on, like something in Cap's head just switched. Like he's realizing just how much damage this fight has already inflicted on the people that he's trying to protect
1: mm-hmm.
4: like in the end you know he eventually sees this and it's like uh, he orders his team to stand down he's, he's eventually ordered his team to surrender because he realized that maybe this was the right move in the end
3: oh that's so interesting that's because funny. the movies took it the opposite way right <laughs> yeah they had Cap stay determined mm-hmm. and send this, you know, letter to Tony basically apologizing for the personal stuff, but still holding to the, you know, I'll be there and to help.
4: Here's the two biggest points in the aftermath of the Civil War that, you know, I think are going to help shed some light on this. Uh, the president of the U.S. grants general amnesty to all opponents of the Registration Act who turn themselves in or register. And then it's the fact that, you know, uh, Cap, who is the main opponent to this act, is arrested. And he gets assassinated by uh, uh, brainwashed Sharon Carter.
1: Hmm.
4: Hmm. So you take into account that info along with any arguments you have made that the mcu has thrown in with Mm -hmm. this movie and everything that has led up to this point prior and tell me what you personally think again
3: anytime i hear registration act anytime i hear about like mutants having to register i think storytellers are paralleling nazi germany of governments overreaching
1: and i I can agree with that i can
4: i can see your point and argument in that but I think this was more so a matter of so that way they have a better understanding of alright if something happens here oh shit it's these particular events that happened or it was caused by these certain you know uh, superpowers we know look at this registry and be able to tell we can have more people to help figure out how to stop said person mm. from going on a rampage
3: yeah i mean it's oh, the classic balance of security and freedom both are good both are things you want to strive and, for like i can but understand where yeah.
4: you think you know it's obviously drawing a parallel to uh so nazi germany and all that i can understand your argument with that yeah i can understand your argument for why all everything that cap is doing at least in the mcu as to why you believe that he is on the right side on all this is valid i completely agree with that but it's because of the fact that i had followed the comics so religiously Mm
1: -hmm.
4: that more so had already determined my output on this when i originally saw this
3: yeah so it's like when captain america tells the group they're asking you know why tony's being so quiet captain america's like because oh, he's already made up his mind <laughs> pretty much <laughs> all yeah.
0: right well uh since we've heard you guys all made very very good arguments
4: uh, uh it, this it, was a very good it it hard.
0: debate on this one it was if i if I, I were to let you guys keep going we probably could have this, this,
3: could this could have, been, could have been a Civil oh, yeah. War podcast. Yeah, really <laughs> could have been. It really
4: could have been. But my personal okay. standing is still going to be. I think Captain America is on the wrong side of this one. I'm Team Iron Man on this one.
0: Okay, so Jeremy gets one vote on his side. What about you, Alister? Oh no, I
2: yeah, I'd, I'd. all be subject to the governing authorities.
0: <laughs> Two votes. Really. <so, laughs> like, Um, okay, this is where I'm very conflicted, because I've always said I am Team Iron Man, because I I always feel like, you know, at the end of the day, they would always be enemies of the government if they kept running. Okay, they would always be enemies of the government, no matter what they would do, no matter what arguments could be had, that's the way it would go.
3: But they did and they weren't. (laughs) <laughs> i mean
2: i'm not right, i'm not going speculating to here they did everyone we're now transitioning into the second
0: phase <laughs> of the debate uh, uh yeah i'm I'm still gonna have to give the the iron man still the the edge here it, it, it's tough it's it, it's tough but uh, yeah you, i gotta stick with team tony here
3: you communist bastards!
5: So. See, okay, Dan, <laughs> Dan, I'm going to come back in here. I'm going to say you made very, very good points. You did. Uh, you, you know, did. and you I, really did. you came incredibly pe- prepared, and I applaud you for that.
3: I never attempted to advocate for Steve Rogers' every behavior, and as a matter of fact, the whole ruse that he falls victim to is the reason for the actual specific drama. Mm. I just think, despite that he's right i wrote down the mistakes that i feel he made in the film the first one was when he and bucky decided not to call iron man that was presumptuous of them um i agree and then what kind of shocked me is i didn't view it as a betrayal though because they did bring it up the next time they saw him so it was more of like a missed opportunity uh rather than a hard betrayal but yeah of course then they stole the quinjet and
1: yeah i mean you're already paralyzed so, so. <laughs> your argument was
3: so good
0: that i mean i you had me <laughs> rethinking my stance a little bit you had me on the fence for a little bit i'm oh, not
4: gonna you did have but, me on the fence but, a little bit too but you, it was a did. matter of i had to go back and look through the cliff notes i had already had from the comic lore
1: mm-hmm. and
4: everything that had already been spoken it's like this is probably why i did not like this movie so much compared to all the others in phase three just didn't follow is the just material. because of how opposite the story felt that's fair compared to what actually happened
3: does yeah. does uh, Captain America kiss his niece in that one uh, um that was
5: mis- that was the it's sticky moment of yeah oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> i,
3: that, I wrote that go,
1: down we, we got to do a sticky moment for somebody else <laughs> also another Welcome thing to take, Club, take from Dan. the
4: aftermath of this that was in the comic books um the 15 state the 50 state initiative is set up to eventually place a superhero team in every state to you know try and help better govern hmm, hmm interesting
3: i don't know that i'd agree with that either
4: yeah i mean i can understand why you wouldn't agree with that but it's to provide a more i guess widespread uh viewing of everything going on
5: yeah and it's never gonna trust me again it's no i trust, trust you
1: <laughs> all right well
0: that no. was uh that was a very in-depth civil war discussion so
3: So before we we leave Civil War, though, I have one tidbit, because I like to share tidbits. The helicopter that Captain America was holding to the roof when Bucky was trying to escape was Mm -hmm. an Airbus AS350 with 3,000 pounds of lifting capacity. And I had heard Mm -hmm. that... um, Who does Civil War? Is that... I don't know. The director wanted... a. Okay, they wanted a really stressful shot, and I heard that was an extraordinarily hard day of shooting for mm-hmm. Chris Evans because he wanted him to be flexing and really, you know, yeah, yeah exerting wow. yeah, himself.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But his Wolverine moment.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan, I I will say you you came in this with uh you know with both fists up. You kind of threw me off in this in this Mm. whole thing yeah you came
4: in guns blazing on this
5: you did
0: (laughs) you came in very convincing and and it and it pretty nearly worked it pretty nearly worked
3: um, but it didn't. Ultimately, <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. That, that I, it,
0: almost there.
3: Just That's because you all have Iron Man's ego, and there's no way wow. that you okay. succeed. <laughs> oh. I think you would also behind it, so, What's I mean, it more emblematic than the goatee Alistair decided <laughs> to plaster to his face for this?
5: <laughs> we decided beforehand Alistair is the chaotic evil person of the entire podcast. Just trying to find something to make everybody squirm. <laughs>
4: Well we can uh, hey,
5: remember I'm
4: trying to heavily take his throne here. I like I said, this is the weakest <laughs> of the series, in my opinion.
1: <laughs>
4: well, to follow up with the goatee, let's go to another uh hero with the goatee.
0: Doctor, Doctor Strange. I mm. love it. Okay, who's kicking this one off? Not me.
3: This one was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. This I just, was th- a yeah. beautiful film. Yep.
0: Yeah. This is the
2: lore behind Doctor Strange. It's just so other than <clears throat> any other hero, mm-hmm. um, I, I really like the the Mystic Arts a lot, and it's pretty cool. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. It's interesting. It, it's strange that there are so few, both villains and heroes, that actually know about it, because I feel like if more if more villains were able to take advantage of the other plane, the astral plane that it would add a whole new dimension to battles. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was a really, really neat movie. Uh, well,
3: it's physically and technically uh, on another level, like with that whole repartee between I think it's Iron Man uh, and Dr Strange when he's like where have you been and he's like protecting your reality like it's <laughs> it's just beyond what the Avengers had ever dealt with
0: that's true yeah. that's a good yeah. point. what did you guys
3: think of um
0: to, to me this was one of the first Marvel movies that really felt I want to say it felt unique it was it was different from everything we have seen before because it was it was trippy as hell. Okay, I mean you feel like you're watching the movie maybe on acid or something for a while with all the, the, the all the scenery spinning around and around. I feel like I was watching Inception
4: 2. With all mm-hmm. of the CGI graphics that were thrown into this movie and how beautifully that it did all transition together, it, mm-hmm. it really did feel like whoa, what the hell did I just step into for a minute yeah. there? Yeah. Like it takes yeah, some adjusting so. getting used to the Doctor Strange universe. Mm-hmm. Overall, I was also
0: very surprised yeah. to see uh, Rachel McAdams in this movie.
3: Yeah, I, th- I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was a surprise also.
4: I, he really was. I was not expecting Benedict C- Like When they announced the casting of this movie and Benedict Cumberbatch was uh, listed to play Strange, mm-hmm. I was really skeptical at first. Yeah. Because I was not sure how he was going to pull this off and then watching this movie the first time and then subsequently re-watching it probably three or four more times within the next two to three weeks after it came out Mm -hmm. uh it made me have a newfound appreciation for the acting skills that he has
0: i agree because you know what uh coming into this movie i know a lot of people knew him mainly from sherlock and stuff like that. But see, my first introduction to him was continent in Star Trek Into Darkness. And that was my really first true exposure to him. And just seeing the, uh, the raw emotion he had in Into Darkness, especially that scene where he's talking about his family and, and that group of people in the torpedo tubes. And he's looking off the camera and you just see his eyes just fill up with tears. It was just raw emotion for a scene. And I remember hearing when he got announced as Doctor Strange, and I then I started looking at the comic pages and yeah. kind of put kind of putting a side-by-side comparison between the two. And to be honest with you, especially after seeing the movie now, you probably couldn't have casted a more perfect
3: yeah,
1: Doctor they strange. It. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Knocked it out of the park. Probably probably on the same level as uh Robert Downey as yeah. Iron Man.
3: Well, but, I don't mm-hmm. I can't speak on con too much, but for me, Benedict Cumberbatch is Smaug. He's mm-hmm. Sherlock. He's mm-hmm. Alan Turing in The Imitation Game. That was a fantastic he, he just, movie. Oh, gosh, I love movie. that movie. He, he is, just so well yeah. plays the competent jerk. Like, I'm so competent <laughs> <Yeah>. that I <laughs> can that be well. a jerk. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and Doctor Strange. And that made Doctor Strange's transformation really enjoyable for me to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I was going to say, though, the, one, the movie that it reminded me of was Thor 1 um with kind of like the coming of age of just a really arrogant figure and i think that makes for a really really sweet and enjoyable story arc Mm -hmm. my favorite line of the entire phase three is when um his mentor says you have yet to learn the most
0: important lesson it's not about you yeah yeah If if you guys look at marvel's history do you guys realize how many of the heroes actually start very
3: arrogant
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's pretty much all of them except Captain America. Pretty they, much. All the, oh, most of them, for the most in part, Spider-Man. had their own little god complex because mm-hmm. they thought they were <laughs> better than anything running around.
0: Shit, even Star Lord feels that way. And I don't think Star-Lord he has any is, right to oh, feel that man. way. He has, a, he has a very mild coming of age.
4: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. He still hasn't even quite
0: gotten there yet. I don't yeah. think. We'll, I don't, we'll I say still that don't he's gone from
4: having the mindset of a 13 year old who thinks this shit doesn't stink. To now he's about to 20 years of age in the <laughs> mindset. And he's realizing, okay, maybe it's time to grow up a little bit. Yeah. Well, Star-Lord is pretty much...
2: Thanos in the
0: face. <laughs> yeah, Star-Lord is pretty much single-handedly the reason why the freaking snap happened to begin with because he got all emotionally compromised and couldn't just take the damn thing off.
5: You yeah, could blame two people happen. for that. You could blame so many people for the fact that the this, this snap happened. We can't... Uh, we
1: can't <laughs> uh, and the, the uh, only the
3: person the blame belongs on is Thanos.
0: <laughs> well other than thanos
4: yeah
5: thor also uh, could have had his chance too could have killed him yep
2: so yeah i also want to know chance. what did you guys what? think of
4: the casting for uh Kaecilius, though i don't know that actor well what's his name oh yeah he mads mickelson played um what else he, he played was, Hanna, right yeah. was hannibal Lecter in mm. hannibal yeah I that tv
5: watching show that it, it's huh. it's pretty crazy
0: See, I know him from playing the Bond villain in Casino Royale, which he also did very well. Oh,
3: yeah. Is that the Bond yeah. villain that has the bullet slowly going toward his brain? No. That's Daniel Craig's first one where the guy had the uh, the weird eye and they bled from his eye.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think of what else I know him from. Because I just...
0: I'm... But yeah, Hannibal's the other really big one, and that that show was sadly canceled well before
4: oh, he's, his time that was a he's show. galen
5: urso and uh, oh that's One. right and yeah. it's just
4: like the oh, guy yeah. who did uh uh carl Mordo. Oh, mm-hmm. most people recognize him from firefly and serendipity
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's right he did play the villain in serenity which that was my first exposure to him and he's a great a- actor
4: uh, he if you want to see someone that has some great emotion in their acting it's him.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I thought. I. I think he's. I think he's a very well. Uh, a very good actor, and uh, I like that character quite a bit.
5: I thought Doctor Strange the whole was a very complex film, but I think it's mm-hmm. meant to be fun to the eyes mm-hmm. mostly. Yeah, more of a visual feast than anything else. Sure. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm. I agree. This was more so, you know, obviously, the introduction to what is Doctor Strange in the marvel universe itself and mm-hmm. i can understand this is more obviously going to show all the ooh shiny sort of aspect of everything with him
1: you yeah. know yeah but
4: it did a great job introducing him into this universe yeah because we're going to start seeing the darker sides of what's to come once the sequel comes out in a couple years mm. well i'm particularly
0: glad that they didn't um that Doctor Strange wasn't one of those characters they just kind of put into another movie, you know, like mm. Black Panther or Spider Man. I yep. think he deserved his own first movie to give him that because he oh has, for yeah, sure he has so many layers to his character that just throwing him into a movie just I don't think would have worked. That really would have yeah, I, agree no, I agree
3: wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's what I said, Jinx. <laughs> um, I, one of the one of the really enjoyable themes for me about Doctor Strange was the pitting of um Dr. Strange's egotistical materialism against like the the mystic humility of his teacher and just Mm. just the way that they were so unfazed by one another when they were talking you know they just neither of them would even budge Um, (laughs) and and just how that plays out into the point where she obviously you know separates his astral self from his physical self and he yeah i just love the way he comes back from that experience and is like on his knees like teach me, teach me. yeah just totally taken by it yeah yeah
5: that is really oh, wouldn't cool you me. though like if you had sure. the ability to do that i think we would all be in that same position be yeah. like
3: let me learn
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Who wouldn't want to learn that stuff shit absolutely
5: yeah. I think Doctor Strange has the most visually appealing of all the superpowers that I've seen in the MCU, for sure.
3: Yeah. Well, he
0: gets and underappreciated because everybody calls Thor and all that the most powerful Avenger, but nobody... No, no, to Doctor not, Strange.
4: Even, not even close. <laughs> I'm just I telling you, everybody this, says I that. I will argue this point until the day I die. Doctor Strange is easily the strongest... I, I don't disagree in with you the Marvel universe. M- but my
0: point is that a lot of people will say it's either Thor or the Hulk and I think they're full of it because they're not looking at the at the grand scale of what Doctor Strange is capable of.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Doctor Strange is just too meta. Yeah. It's like yeah. I feel like it's probably the same reason people don't like mm-hmm. to choose Superman and I I don't think this about Doctor Strange, but Superman's boring. <laughs> but are you are like it's so really
5: boring. boring.
3: <laughs> oh man, this you're right, guys. We can disagree about Civil War as long as we all agree that Superman <laughs> I is a boring <laughs> hero. I, I, I can't I, I have to
0: disagree. I have to disagree. You, you, oh god! I, what? I
5: no, now to be Mike. fair,
0: now no now wait. My argument's very easy though. Uh, I
4: used it's to
5: not like you. Easy, though. No,
0: my <laughs> argument's very simple. Have you watched Smallville?
3: Oh, that's yes, a very yes good. Yes, I argument. have. No, that's I a can you say Superman was, is so boring. Yeah.
4: Okay, because how there's, was he a boring? Bigger, <laughs> there's a big season of Clark Kent, the human, and Superman, the Boy Scout who can't be defeated. Ow, there But he can't ten, be defeated. He seasons. was dead. The,
0: the, the death of Superman's one of the best comic books of all time. Quote unquote, dead. Yeah. Okay, but how that's many a good point. I don't do mean to say he's boring.
3: I don't mean to say he's boring and he's certain dry. lenses into Superman's life can be intriguing mm-hmm. but at the end of the day his power and his alienness are such that he just doesn't he's not relatable I guess he's you know bad. he's too much of a god figure and like but like maybe I just like sad. one punch man yeah but, maybe but, but, I wait. haven't seen that maybe I just haven't <laughs> looked enough into Superman
0: But wait, here's a counter, though. The same could be said about Green Lantern, then.
3: Who gives a crap about Green
0: Lantern? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying. You can say it about about Green Lantern, though, too.
3: Sure, you can. I won't stop you.
0: We won't even talk about that. You're talking about Ryan
5: Reynolds? Really? (laughs) No. Ryan Reynolds. Here comes Mike with... No, no, praising no, no. the ryan reynolds version no, no, of no, no, you heard it no, here folks no, no. you
0: heard no, it first no no not in the millions of praise the movie i mean 10 out of 10 lantern,
5: would, would
4: watch again
0: no no i don't Mike, know what's gives worse that movie a
4: solid five out of seven no no
0: i don't know what's worse green lantern or the fantastic four I don't know what's worse. I
4: would much rather Fantastic Four's bullshit than Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern. Wait a minute. You, wait a minute. You're actually going to say that Ryan
0: Reynolds' Green Lantern is worse than Fantastic Four? Which yes. Fantastic
4: Four? Four? The newest one. Okay. I will gladly watch a 24-hour marathon of Fantastic Four no way. compared no to Ryan Reynolds' abomination way. of a fucking Green Lantern film. No
3: way. I'm going to interject and ask that we come back to Marvel. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's,
4: let's get away. <laughs> I want to make one now. more point. I want to no. make one
0: more point though. I'll make it a no. hey, one more point. It's your podcast. You do I'm it. making one more point. I'd much <laughs> rather watch Ryan Reynolds. Cause at least he has comedy and charm on screen rather than all those dry people in fantastic four, who none of them can barely act in that movie.
3: Wait, wasn't Jordan B Cooper in fantastic four.
0: Right. But they can act outside of that movie, but they're all dry as hell in that movie.
3: Okay. They're not fun. I haven't seen it, so I don't have to. All right. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on.
4: I need to clarify this real quick. Now, are we talking about the remake of Fantastic Four? Are we talking about the original two Fantastic Four movies?
0: I'm not talking about the Jessica Alba one. Those ones are kind of entertaining. I'm talking about the newest one that was crap.
4: Okay, Total thank crap. you. I was waiting for you to clarify that. Yeah, I will yes. agree with you. I'd much rather watch. Green okay. Lantern. all right, let's okay, move. We're on. on the same page now.
5: Okay. <laughs> Moving also, on. if any of you want to follow me on Twitter at uh, Condiment Games, please retweet my Mike or at Mike. The director really loves both the Green Lantern movie and the Fantastic Four reboot. Hey, hey, Dan. <laughs> hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey Dan
0: uh, I, I'm switching to Team Cap. Yeah! See what your ego gets you,
1: Jeremy. It was worth it. Oh. Everybody,
0: tweet at at uh, at Condiment Games Team Cap for the win.
5: <laughs> okay, back 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 to Doctor Strange. All right, yeah. we've uh, had our yeah. fun. Okay, uh,
0: I don't know. Is there anything else we we'll have to say on Doctor Strange? <laughs> we all
3: loved it.
5: I think, uh, yeah, you all liked it. I think uh, the, the antagonist as a whole was kind of dull. Dormammu? Dormammu at the yeah, alpha.
4: the film is just okay.
5: It's okay, but it's also you see, the first movie. This like, you was the start biggest somewhere.
4: flaw that I saw in this movie was how they portrayed Dormammu. Yeah.
5: Because you know Dormammu is <laughs> a Thanos killer. Uh,
1: Dormammu, uh, so
4: um, in my personal opinion, is on a level that could almost be considered above Thanos.
1: Sure.
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting. We started by saying Doctor Strange, his disciplines and his villains are all, you know, miles above anything anyone's ever experienced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then I like how he beat Dormammu, but Dormammu was almost comical by the time it was all said and done because of the way they they did that but i i mean can you pick what i think a really effective trope in superhero movies is this whole like because of what they had to suffer they're tough as nails and now you know it kind of like in deadpool i thought they did it really well where they like barely kept him alive for that really long duration of time um that's what that moment was for me but i do think it was kind of silly too mm-hmm. And the way he says yeah. Dormammu really bugs me because he's so nasally with that word.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's just apart. not given a whole lot to do in this movie. He just he just feels like a very empty, useless villain. He goes down in that list of villains we've talked about in Phase One and Phase Two. Is just disposable. That was
4: so upsetting. Yeah, it's disappointing because I was expecting at least the. I was expecting at least a Dormammu that could have been considered as the next super villain of, fa- like the next phases that Marvel goes into. Yeah, if th- if done correctly, yeah, absolutely. And sidebar, yes, I retweeted that tweet,
5: Jeremy. <laughs> Thank you. What did you do?
0: <laughs> okay, I gotta, I, I, I gotta do this while we do that. Okay.
3: <laughs> but okay. anyway. So what's the next one? So then? the next uh, be, one
4: Guardians is Guardians of the Galaxy Spider-Man Volume Two. Coming. No, Guardians... Oh, it yes, is. Came before oh, I just yeah. skipped right over that.
3: Mm, I Ew. wonder why.
4: Uh, Because Uh-oh. I oh, clicked no. off the wrong film.
3: No, I'm just kidding. Oh, around. Guardians. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guardians Volume 2 is great and it basically replaces the first one for the most part for me. You know when they have, when they you've got a board game. Better. Yeah, like you've got a board game like Agricola, and then Caverna comes out, and you're like, oh, why would I ever play this first one? Yeah, yeah you, I remember from our other phase, too, uh, Yeah,
0: I really did not care for Guardians 1.
3: It's not that I don't like it. It's just Guardians 2 follows the same format and does it a little bit better. Yeah,
5: it, it, I it watched it recently. Am- it's so tough to watch one now
3: (laughs) i mean there are there's definitely things about one that i wouldn't want to get rid of that i really Mm -hmm. enjoyed but i just like i like guardians too i mean i i love
0: them both i i don't know if i necessarily can say that i like one over the other i think the only reason why i'm a little more partial to the first one is just mainly because i don't know i It's tough because the point I wanted to make now, I'm going back and I'm thinking of of number two and number two kind of does the same similar thing. So yeah, you're kind of almost right here. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I guess maybe two is a little bit better because I I think maybe because Kurt Russell and, and, and the whole storyline with his father is, is pretty good. And uh, the twist at the end of two is also very, very good. And I, I can't believe how far uh, his father was willing to go.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, now that is an outburst of Star-Lords that I can get behind
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe
3: if Guardians 1 had done the same lifting relationally as Guardians 2 I'd care about Star-Lord and Gamora's ship enough to mm-hmm. follow it to that
5: I, I feel like theirs is in so rocky yeah. Their their relationship is so rocky it doesn't you feel like it's never going to work out, like he's going to yeah. end up with someone else that's better
3: well, even mm-hmm. I, I like Gamora quite a bit, but I, I just don't buy their chemistry. Maybe it's the actors don't have chemistry. I wonder if there's any like rumors about them not having chemistry with one another. But um, they don't really have much. You're right,
0: and I, I never really fully bought their relationship through any of these, and that's why when they play into it in into Infinity War, it just to me just kind of feels like, eh, yeah, I'm not really. Buying into the whole emotional com- com- complications they're having in that movie, I just don't yeah. buy
1: it. Mm-hmm.
3: Another beautiful movie. I love the colors in Guardians. I think Guardians mm-hmm. One set a new bar that all the movies kind of chased after in terms of just being visually Ragnarok. appealing.
5: I think I think my favorite, uh, like outside of Star Lord and Gamora, I liked Yondu's character development as yeah. well as Rocket I and, really enjoyed and this as well. I loved their portion more than I loved Star-Lord, you know, spending time with his dad.
3: Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. I loved Groot, and particularly Infinity War Adolescent Groot, so I guess I'll (laughs) hold it. But I, yeah, Groot is such a rewarding character. Yeah. Um, How about this, Jeremy? You talk about Dormammu being a, a Thanos killer that ends up just being a silly thing. How do you feel about Drax being such a comedic character, despite being a, a Thanos killer in the comics? The
5: the thing is, is, that Drax was. I didn't have any prior knowledge of the comics going into these movies, and I felt like that was a very like kind of a good thing for me, because <laughs> then oh, it's, yeah. you're you're less inclined to judge the movies super harshly going through them. You're able to witness the the film's creativity and the originalness in itself as opposed to the comics where that's if you just follow the comics directly it makes for a boring story
0: yeah you never want to do that because it's predictable
5: exactly and uh, as much as Drax is technically a Thanos killer I did I, I love Drax like it, it's the simplicity, the, the simplicity of his humor is so great and I, I yeah. can't get over yeah. it it's just I'm standing so very still. I'm Moving so slowly. I'm blind to the human eye. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> and you see, to me, I almost prefer movie Drax over comic Drax because really? of the comedic effect alone. Oh. oh. Because it's during those moments in Guardians and through the Infinity War saga that I have never lapsed so hard watching mm-hmm. a film as I have whenever Drax has said anything mm-hmm.
3: stupid. <laughs> yeah, Nothing Drax. goes over my head.
5: My reflexes are too fast to
3: catch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really liked Drax.
0: Well, yeah. Anytime he's talking about yeah, your body, your body disgusts me. The thought of your body. Yeah, he disgusts me when he's talking to mantis yeah oh those are those are great the thing
5: is the way that he talks about it sounds so sensual and (laughs) it it, does like but but he's talking about it in the worst way possible (laughs) it's so great i love the i love every aspect Uh, of that i know
0: i think i think he he steals the movie Mm. I, i truly and honestly do Can we also Mm -hmm. talk about the fact that Vin Diesel has got to be overpaid for playing the voice of a one-lined character? Yes.
3: I remember we were at a bar for trivia night and the question was who are the top 10 or maybe seven or something like that paid actors of X year. And we, we thought of all the movies and Vin Diesel was obviously on the list because of his, his Mm -hmm. roles in marvel but we totally forgot about him and then we're like wait how is vin diesel on the list oh he's in guardians and that exact topic came to our head like oh my gosh he's making so much money for what walking around with a green suit on
0: (laughs) i never understood why why would they cast somebody where they're paying him a lot of money they could have put anybody in this role
3: yeah anybody maybe it's because he does his own stunts
0: (laughs) Uh sure.
4: you
1: sure. see him flopping <laughs> around.
0: <laughs> hey, he'll next he'll say I think Groot should drive a car.
5: <laughs> I loved the opening sequence of Guardians 2. That was a fantastic sequence. Oh, okay. I agree. Yeah. Someone With needs to
3: explain to me because I don't get it. I don't know if I've asked this before on the podcast. Why does Groot stop dancing when Drax looks at him?
0: Yeah, I never understood that one either.
3: What's the joke? I don't know. Uh, Probably because um,
4: Drax. From I the, think it was from the end of the first movie. Yeah, Drax the Thinks that you know, Groot's just a normal plant at that point, and he's like, "All right, I'm a mess with him." It's
5: it's a callback to the to the end credit scene where Groot yeah, is I like didn't get it there either. Him. Maybe he was just playing a trick on him at that point. Okay. Because it's it's, it's technically it's technically a new Groot. Like right. it's a brand yeah. new Groot, so it's a brand new personality. True, mm. true. One that's going to that evolves with the movies.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, I look at Groot in the first movie as being like a two or three hundred-year-old tree versus a teenager in this one, of course. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's no longer an old man. Exactly.
5: But uh
1: yeah, so yeah, any one other of my favorite
4: things so in this film though was when uh Yandu flew in to save Quill but sacrificed himself to keep Quill safe. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of my favorite moments in this film, only because it showed just how much Yandu has grown throughout the films. Mm-hmm.
5: It shows he was a, he had a much deeper side to him than mm-hmm. just the guy who was yelling at him the whole time. Exactly. Yeah, the movie this movie humanized him. Yes, very much so. What happens, y'all? Gosh, dang it.
1: <laughs> 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 that
5: was perfect timing.
1: Just by a second. <laughs> yeah.
0: Shit. All right. All right. Well, uh next up would be uh Spider Man Homecoming. Spider-Man returns to the big screen after the Andrew Garfield experiment, I guess, failed. Not really sure why.
5: (laughs) I think it was a little unfortunate that I think Andrew Garfield just got too old for the part to where he couldn't pull off a teenager anymore or even a young adult. Um,
0: Yeah, past the college age.
5: Yeah, Yeah. and Mm -hmm. I I felt like this was a good choice. I I feel like Tom Holland is, Mm -hmm. he plays both sides of Spider-Man super well. Yeah, and the fact that he's still I, I in high school that. is so great because it just shows the the little kid
3: inside of him. Mm-hmm. And I think it might have also had something to do with Andrew Garfield sucking as Spider Man. Uh, those were s- those were such can, good uh, Spider Man uh, movies.
4: What do you want Mike? Andrew Garfield was not a good Spider Man. He was just too much of a of jerk. One. Well,
0: that's not okay. necessarily
4: his fault. though. that's the
0: way that was written
5: for him. Sure,
3: I don't care. I'm okay. gonna take this. I'm watching right the here. end product. <laughs> yeah. All
4: right, no, right no. Here. I want to hear what Jeremy has to say. Go ahead. Okay,
5: Tobey Maguire was an excellent Peter Parker, terrible Spider-Man. I can agree uh, well with, that, with Garfield. Right? Andrew Garfield was better on the Spider-Man side, but a mm-hmm. really kind of jerk of a Peter Parker. If he had
0: Peter Parker, <laughs> Tom Holland. Okay. I can agree with, with the that Balance
5: too. to both of them, and I think plays yeah. both of them very well. Mm.
0: There, there is one thing that the Andrew Garfield movie does really well. Peter Parker's uh, chemistry and relationship with Gwen Stacy was spot on in those movies. Mm-hmm. Sure. sure. When she died at the end of that movie, I felt
3: it. And I yeah, felt that's like that's that... Emma Stone, though.
0: Yeah, yeah but I know. movie relation... was about as broken as Gwen Stacy's back. But you cannot sit here and, and not admit that the relationship in those movies worked better than uh, Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire did
3: in the other three Spider-Mans. I hated Kirsten Dunst. Thank I, you. I, <laughs> Thank you. Hated her. Thank you. Oh god. So I was bad. such a huge Bring It On fan yeah. that I liked
1: Kirsten Dunst. Oh
0: Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> oh,
4: you know what?
1: Hey, I'm which makes me think of anything Drop anything Dead Gorgeous, which is another right, Kirsten Dunst movie I love.
5: I... She's in Jumanji too. Now that one I can I can go with. She she was good in that movie. From then on, I just yeah. She care. was good. She was a great actor when she was a kid.
0: I think Small Soldiers was the last good movie she was in. There it
5: is. Yep. All
1: Small Soldiers.
5: Soldiers. Yep. <laughs> last good yep. movie. So, I never
4: got that Small Soldiers was even a thing. I know.
5: Yeah. Best movie. It was. We should do that, I next podcast. that
4: movie at the time. Thank you. And now <laughs> I'm going to have to. Re- All right, Mike, we got our Al. next standalone. Small Soldiers. I, agree.
0: I'm I like it. that movie and I still like that movie. I did. You know it's, what? It's, it's been kind of so classic.
3: long. It's been so long since I've seen it. I, I would have to agree with you, though. I didn't love the chemistry between um, Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. But to be honest, I'm not loving the chemistry. Okay. I haven't seen Far From Home yet. Cat's out of the bag, guys. I'm so.
2: It develops. Oh, well, yeah.
3: It does. It develops pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I
2: know they're not they're not they're not so willing to disassociate with Garfield um, as to um, they're they're actually bringing back um, Jamie Foxx
4: potentially as as Electro. I like that that makes me so happy
3: to hear that's gonna
0: be I think because of the multiverse coming into play they've even said too that he's not going to be blue like he was he's gonna be yellow Um, in this movie. All
3: All right, I'm gonna go get a drink talk about all your Spider Man spoiler stuff. I'll be back.
4: <laughs> talking
5: about
3: it the homecoming. That's yeah, it, all
4: Fire from My, Home.
1: <sighs>
4: I don't know. To me, I think this was a good point to reboot the whole Spider-Man franchise in mm-hmm. itself because obviously the most well-known villain you're gonna hear from Spider-Man is what Green Goblin, right? or Green mm. Goblin or Venom. Correct? The
0: most common, the two most yeah. common ones are Goblin. Those
4: going to be Goblin. the most famous yeah. ones you know of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vulture was actually as far as I remember the first major villain mm. that uh Spider-Man had. Huh.
5: And I loved uh the character of the Vulture. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought was, he had I thought fashion, he
5: was right? I thought he was real like had a lot of really good points. Mhm. Yeah. Like, I sided with him on some facts. He wasn't you wrong. You could understand everything. how he could come to be the way he was. So. hmm. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And
4: there's, can we just talk about how well Michael Keaton did playing Vulture?
5: Uh-huh. Oh, for sure.
0: Michael Keaton is good yeah. in just about everything he
4: does. So, I mean. Except for Batman, because, well, there hasn't been a good Batman before
5: the newest ones. The. Wait, 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 You said Michael Keaton wasn't a good Batman? Are I you saying that Ben Stiller is the best Batman? No. No, I'm saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, retweet
4: it out to the world. Retweet that one, Jeremy.
1: Ben nope. Stiller
4: was Batman and Capossick loves it.
3: Gosh, my <laughs> Michael Keaton was my first Batman.
4: Michael Keaton was my first Batman too. Uh <sighs> No, he, I I personally don't think he was a great Batman. He was a good Batman.
3: <laughs> I mean, he was he he no George great. Clooney.
5: I had George Clooney as my first Batman, and I am still having nightmares. That's the
3: nipple <laughs> That's suit, too. right? That's the suit with the, nipples?
5: The nipple suit where Bat-nipples.
4: no head movement, where it's just
3: a full body <laughs> movement
4: to turn. Uh, <laughs> my, f- my favorite hit was Christian Bale.
0: Well, those movies are hard to top.
4: And no, that's, that's only Batman because I was. World. That's only because the Dark Horse comic Batmans were so well done.
3: Yeah, my favorite oh, Batman is the um, the Arkham video games Batman, huh. and I believe it's oh, yeah, voiced but- by Adam Ford.
4: Just like yeah, how my favorite other, Joker reiteration, it will always be the cartoon because yeah. Mark Hamill. Hamill
3: yeah. 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 And he, that's the Joker in those Batmans, too. So it's, <laughs> exactly. it all comes together. Yeah. I okay. mean, no question. But anyway, what, uh,
5: so back bro, let's homecoming. Go back to homecoming.
3: <laughs> hey, this is this is why the podcasts are so long, is because we give ourselves <laughs> the ability to just kind of trail off. Go off on tangents. That's a, hey,
0: that's okay. That's so, speak, so that.
3: homecoming Michael Keaton, I've said it before. This is the beginning of a new era of well written villains that you can empathize with, where you're like, yeah, they're wrong, but
1: they have good points. Like,
3: I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm great. I'm very excited yeah, to agree. see Far From Home. I was about to say it's I'm very so excited for good. the sequel, but it already it's, exists. So
5: it's it is so good.
3: I, I'll I'll tell you, Dan, you're gonna
0: love the cliffhanger at the end of Far From Home. It just I
3: I love great yeah. Yeah. too. Yeah,
0: great bookend of Phase Three. It, it's perfect.
3: Cool. Um, I,
0: I, I,
4: there's a couple of villains I'm hoping they really go more in depth with at some point, like. Chameleon, mm-hmm. I was a huge fan of. I want to see a new reiteration
3: of Doc Ock. Yeah, I want well, to see the whole Sinister Six.
4: You guys know that
0: it was supposed to come out this year, but there, the Morbius movie that Jared Leto's playing, that is going to be part of the Marvel Universe because in the trailer for it, you do see him associate with Michael Keaton from Homecoming.
3: Oh, really? Okay, so mm-hmm. I was and- wondering how connected that was. I thought it was a mm-hmm. new like villain's and oh, I
4: know I'm probably in the minority here. One villain mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see pop up into the MCU, especially with them going the route they are with Spider Man now. Mm-hmm. I want to see Craven the Hunter.
3: See, I don't even know that, that one that
4: would be interesting.
3: I mean What I, could, could you talk about I, that I, one, Jason? That. I don't know it.
4: Yeah. Uh let me pull up some of his info real quick. Uh he was a good point in a lot of like the uh cartoon show that they did back in the day Hmm. um Mm -hmm. let's see here let me pull
3: up his info
0: while he finds that i I do want to mention too that tom hardy's venom is now in the continuity of the universe as well
3: okay it's interesting i had such affection for venom because spider-man was probably the comic i engaged with the most but not even through Mm -hmm. conventional means like a few comics here and there but i really i had the spider-man coloring book that was essentially the comics that you colored in
4: yeah Um, i remember
3: those and then pogs i had a bunch of spider-man pogs and then i think there was a cartoon show that i watched when i was younger yeah there was
4: an animated series out then But, but like this is the big thing about uh craven actually now that i found it out um he was one of Spider-Man's most long-standing and longest-running arch enemies Okay. Um, he's uh he is a really sadistic and maniacal big game hunter who's pretty much whose biggest point in trying to defeat Spider-Man was to prove he was the greatest hunter in the world. Like oh. he refuses to use. Okay, I remember him uh, now. This
3: guy is in the Xbox video game. Guns,
4: bows, or arrows. He's trying to, you know, take out everything with his bare hands. He's the one that consumes, like, the serum that gives him the super strength and uh, completely slows his aging process.
5: Hmm. Interesting.
4: Interesting.
0: Yeah, I can yeah. see that uh, making appearance because you know it's funny because I just read an article today before this that there was a rumor going around that Sony is looking to sign Tom Holland to a major deal to keep him as Spider-Man for a long time. Oh, wow. So we might be getting a lot, really lot of Spider-Man movies. I do too yeah. because we can, we can see villains like like Craven and and stuff like that. Um, I've even heard a new rumor that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, who played Kingpin in the yeah. Daredevil series, I'm talking oh about
5: putting my him God, into these two. That too. was so yes. good. So oh, that was so great. So good.
3: Um, did you did any of you play the Spider-Man game? Yes, I did. Oh, yes. on yes, play- oh, I yeah.
4: have yet mm-hmm. to play I it, but I've
3: got amazing. it ready to loved download. That. Oh, it's so good. So good. Story. I love. I
5: loved Venom in that game.
3: I loved Venom. So good. Wait, what? Which game? The PlayStation exclusive? The PlayStation mm-hmm. game. Yeah, it had Venom yeah. in it. Yeah. Why don't I remember that?
5: You had to race Venom to Uh-oh. certain places. I think it was, uh, the the commentary between the two were fantastic, if I remember correctly. Oh
3: my gosh. Maybe that's a part you didn't complete. I got the platinum trophy. Ugh. I just forgot it. I must not have. That's. Crazy. I guess it wasn't
0: memorable,
5: Jeremy.
4: Oh, uh, sorry. It not. not. Be, it's not the <laughs> biggest of deals. Thing. Hell, I forget Wait. a lot of that stuff from time to time.
5: Too. I still haven't seen the new Venom movie. I need, yeah, to, go neither, really? that. I need to go see that. It's good,
4: but yeah. in a way that cheesy films are good. Yeah, it's not as
0: like yeah. grounded as you think it would be. It's, it's the hallmark curious. of Marvel. Yeah, I heard the sequel that was supposed to come out this year, too. Is going to be a little bit more serious because it's going to have carnage in it and stuff. So oh, cool. I
4: really hope oh. so because I want to see how... Uh, Woody Harrelson does as Carnage,
0: yeah. If you guys <laughs> didn't know, Woody Harrelson is actually Carnage, nice, mm-hmm. so that'll be interesting too. So, okay, so Spider Man. So, next is uh, Thor Ragnarok, which I think I, I'd like to think we're all kind of on the same page with this one.
5: That oh, oh, was a fantastic here. film, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. It, it, it had a right amount of action and uh, comedy to it. Mm-hmm. Good. I bad. thought the the Balance. chemistry, it, the chemistry between the the cast was spot on. Mm-hmm. Valkyrie was a nice addition as well.
4: Where Death did you guys? <laughs> where do you guys stand <laughs> on Ragnarok compared to the other two Thor movies? Oh,
0: well, this is where I have a little bit of a hard time because I don't. I don't. A, a lot of people give the Thor movies a rough time. And we've talked about this in the other ones. And I none of us gave mm-hmm. Thor as hard of a time as people usually do. So Thor yeah. Ragnarok is excellent. And it's hard for me to sit here and say that one's better than the other because because Thor 3 feels so different from Thor 1 and 2, mm-hmm. especially coming off Thor 2 that was so
3: dark.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that's tough. I have to think about that
3: one. Let's I think back the to me flaw in Thor 3, and it's only flaw, <coughs> and it... I don't know it's still amazing i think the humor is a little bit too heavy-handed in thor 3.
4: i will 100 percent agree with you on that
3: like it's not that it didn't make me laugh i loved it and i loved craig and all the i just at the end of the day
4: it's felt more to me like they were trying to go a comedic route compared yeah. to anything like, else God. and yeah
3: yeah, more like well, guardians. That's a great way to put it out.
5: And to think of where we're going in the timeline of Marvel movies, maybe it was just trying to get as many jokes in before it hit more of the serious tones True. of Chase 3. Because True. right after Thor, we get to Black Panther which covers a <laughs> numerous heavy topics. Yeah, we never and then to you get, then you go into Infinity War right after
3: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's like the last playful
5: or Ragnarok, The Last Laugh.
0: Now, do you guys feel like with the humor, do you guys feel like it's just too much normal humor or do you think it was Disney humor like we talked about in the new Star
5: Wars movies? Oh, that's a good point. Uh, I,
3: I what do you mean? To one. flesh that out a little more.
4: Well, well, let me talk about
0: with Star Wars. We felt like, you know, Star Wars always had its its, its humor, you know, like the George Lucas humor. It, was, it wasn't forced humor. It was just casual humor. Humor, where in the Disney one or the Disney made ones, they have their little moments, like in the Last Jedi when,
3: uh, oh, you know, yeah, when uh, he oh. like does the prank call and stuff. Right, that's very Disney
0: yeah. juvenile humor. Do you feel like that that was in here? I mean, to me, I look at the orgy joke in the Craft as being far from Disney. I was shocked to hear that joke in mm-hmm. a Disney made uh, Marvel movie. I, yeah. I
2: almost, yeah, I almost feel like the humor they break up really serious moments. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. they just kind of, kind of I, I guess, to bring things back down. It's the, the way that they, they, yeah, they just seem to handle serious up, up until you know Infinity War. But yeah, um, right. yeah, it's it is kind of kind of a strange balance. I've always felt.
3: Yeah, I I do I appreciate that function of it. <laughs> I have a suspicion. I've said this before that. Um, Chris Hemsworth can't carry a serious Thor that he doesn't have the acting chops now I don't know that to be true or not but based on his performance in Infinity War compared to the others I just felt like he didn't shine as brightly as the others of the original Avengers given their chance to have that scene of like expressing themselves
0: I remember you saying that because you said that part of the reason why you think fat Thor was in there yeah. was because
3: you didn't think like he they could handle the emotional
0: yeah. parts of the acting in there
5: well, and then, I mean, I, to strengthen your point here, uh, I think Ragnarok, like, he's dealing with such a big foe and the threatening point of where it's going to destroy and Asgard with Ragnarok and everything, it's it. <clears throat> he seems a little too lighthearted for such a serious situation that, the, yeah. that he's in.
3: Well, like, even Surt, like, Surt's supposed to be... I don't know. It just was, yeah, I agree.
0: I think my only major gripe of Ragnarok other than some of the, like I said, some of the humor is that I think the the thing that upset me was at the end of Thor two, you had Loki taking over the throne and the way it was, the way it was shown in the movie, it was a very serious moment. The movie ended on a very kind of like, Oh my God, he's got the throne Thor doesn't know. I felt like that was going to be something that was going to be portrayed as very serious Uh, Maybe Loki was gonna get very power hungry and it was gonna turn into a big power struggle. And I felt like this movie almost kind of put it on the back burner kind of threw it out, turned it into more humor because Thor comes back home, and him finding out his father's actually Loki was more humorous than serious. And then Anthony Hopkins is brought back for his like what three minute scene, and then he's killed off. Yeah. Um To me, it just felt like, yeah, I like the director and what he did. What was his name? Uh, Takia Wakatini, which is also doing the next yeah. one. He wanted to do a more humorous Thor. And I appreciate that. And I, and I don't get me wrong. I love Ragnarok and what it did. But I just felt like he, he looked at the dark world and said, oh, I got to resolve these things. But I don't want to make it more of a thing of, of, of in this movie. So I want to do my own thing. So I'm going to rush these things out. I'm going to do them quickly, not make them emotionally complex and be done with it that's
3: yeah. what it felt like to me. Mm. Yeah. And well, and to alistair's point, it is balanced against the revelation that yet another you know government ruling organization was self-serving and at one point corrupted. I actually mm-hmm. thought this like you said Jeremy this is like the last laugh where you figure out that even Asgard was you know tarnished and corrupt and in some sense i mean a terror to the realm Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. before the rewriting of the history
5: i mean even Um, asgard's responsibility is to keep peace throughout the nine realms and now without asgard there is it will just descend into chaos once again
0: yeah yeah
5: so I don't know what else uh, what else we could really do about that.
1: Love and Thunder. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that they... That's the
0: title.
1: I yeah, we know discussion. we know how
0: we know how uh Alex feels about that title. We got into that one.
1: I do I do love um,
2: knowing where things start with Infinity War. I I think that they, they did such a good job of setting up the beginning of Infinity War with yeah. such a glorious ending to Ragnarok mm-hmm. and then just cutting it completely short. <laughs> well, you know what's uh, funny about the ending of
0: Ragnarok?
2: Just, just, you know, it just made it yeah. such a yeah, you, know, you you just felt the weight of it because yeah. of how they
0: ended the Ragnarok. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, the funny thing about Ragnarok too is like you look at the ending too, and the ending is it's not like full on depressing. I mean, yeah, I mean Thor lost his home and their and the and, the, and, the, and his whole family, his whole race of people are on the run looking for a new home, but where where we go from from here with the next time we see them being the beginning of Infinity War, it my jaw dropped because we go yeah. from the yeah, there's hope. We'll find a new home too. Asgard's its people. Well, then Asgard's gone.
1: Yeah,
3: half the people <laughs> wiped out by Thanos. Yep. Well, that's not true. They have their little Nordic settlement on Earth. <laughs> oh, jeez. <coughs> there's and there's ten of them left, Al.
2: They they just need to populate very quickly. You know, ten that's children the,
5: families. That's just that's a it's a really big problem for me now that I'm really kind of thinking about it. It's just like, okay. Thor, Asgard is just now kind of in shambles. There's nothing much left of it besides the history and Thor. Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I. So as a villain, this is another villain that I just loved. I loved Kate Blanchett.
5: Oh, Oh, for sure. I think yeah, she's good in anything. She did an amazing
4: job as Hella. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Again, somebody else I couldn't picture playing that part other than her. She just played it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So uh, okay, Jeff Goldblum so, um, was a nice
5: touch we, in that movie too. Oh, <laughs> oh
0: I forgot Jeff Goldblum. Yes, yes, yes. Jeff Goldblum was a very nice touch, and I, I, I kind of almost hope we see him somewhere down the line again. Again, it'd be <laughs> kind
3: of nice. I'd like to see him again. Be fun. Yeah, be fun. Yeah. Yeah, he was a good character. Oh, I thought the, well, with the that um
5: no, go ahead go ahead oh I I thought the the go the, on, the fight scene between uh Thor and Hulk was pretty fantastic too. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was oh great. yeah. To see uh the oh, Hulk yeah. in like gladiator armor was the my <laughs> was the least thing I expected just like Oh. <laughs> see, I was kind
4: of expecting it but at the same time I was also expecting uh Worldbreaker Hulk from that which was arguably the strongest of all the
5: Hulk variations
3: also with Thanos killer was yeah. that the one that um Loki separated Banner and Hulk is that uh, Worldbreaker I believe,
4: Hulk I believe so I believe that is uh yeah. Worldbreaker Hulk
0: Yeah Well I honestly think this is the closest we're going to come to a Planet
5: Hulk movie I, I don't know. Like with with everything going with Hulk, I just feel like Hulk is too spread out to really give him a feature film.
3: Yeah, they've tried twice. It's kind of failed. Well, twice. I thought they I thought by contract they can no longer because Hulk isn't fully owned, mm-hmm. and so he can't have a title film. Is that true?
0: There there's a rights hold up. I think Universal still somehow owns some of the property. And, uh, you know, unlike the Sony deal with Marvel, with Spider-Man, I don't think Universal's willing to give it up. I think almost like maybe Universal's holding out for like when Marvel's done that they might try to make their own again. I don't know if that's their plan, (laughs) but it's like you've tried twice. I don't think the third time's going to be the charm. I don't think Ruffalo's going
5: to last that long.
0: (laughs) No, I think Universal's going to go, yeah, we're going to recast again. Good luck with that. Good luck.
1: (laughs)
4: Uh, Oh, no, I personally am still going to hold on to hope that Marvel and whoever else pulls their heads out their asses and brings back Edward Norton. Yeah,
5: don't look for that to happen. I I did like Edward.
4: I'm not going to look for that to happen, but I'm going to still hold on to
3: hope. I'm with you, Jason. (laughs) Yeah, I liked Edward Norton. And as much as I dislike Mark Ruffalo, the actor, like as a human... (laughs) I really <laughs> like yeah, his I'm not a portrayal big Mark fan either,
0: but yeah, his his Hulk's good. I I, I can't say I dislike and the thing the, the thing that bothers me too about the Hulks is because Ruffalo and Norton's Hulk just feels totally different from each other, which is why again the Incredible Hulk feels like it's not a part of this because I feel right. like they're two different Bruce Banners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well and they are. It, yeah.
3: Yeah. That's multiverse
5: right there.
0: Uh, well one that's one way change. Edward Orton could come back.
5: I think you know? I think oh, the right. Hulk, I think oh, the Hulk right. and Iron Man 3 could both be counted as uh MCU MCU alternate two. universes.
3: MCU2. That's fair. MCU2. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here we are 2 hours. All right. Black <laughs> All right. Panther.
0: I know it took 2 hours but uh we're we're two Black Panther and It's uh, worth it. Yeah, and we should definitely mention that we have lost our Black Panther. And, yeah. uh
2: there's talk Chadwick about um, CGIing him in a little bit into Black Panther two. I'm sure they would have talked with. The I team.
4: did read that. I mm-hmm. did see that too about them CGIing in uh, Chadwick Boseman a little bit in this film. Um, but uh, it's just so sad to hear this happening and how hidden that he kept this diagnosis. Yeah, like, that's the no one had part. any idea. Yeah.
0: Especially in Hollywood today, I mean, usually, you know, the media knows everything. And just the fact that he kept this thing so secret from from the media and even people like the work with them in Marvel films, they said they didn't know either. Like nobody knew.
5: Respect that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. God,
5: it was hard getting that news.
0: Shocking. I think it's uh, shocking. doesn't even, it, even cover
3: it. It it's really just... was a shock to the system. Yeah. Have you guys seen his uh, commencement speech at Howard? That I he gave lie. in 2018. I didn't know. It's worth a look, I'd say. It's huh. it's funny because I didn't hear about it when he gave it, but I was listening to a radio broadcast about him as an actor and how he took the disease and was so private about it and how he was filming while he was getting treatment, like chemotherapy and everything. Um, and they mentioned just about him and his personal life and that this speech was pretty cool so i'd recommend
0: it yeah, he he ended up being i know based upon a lot of a lot of things i read from different people and, and stories about him and just how inspirational he was you know to, to a lot of people and, and the fact too that he he got the play to play two big parts that end up be, becoming big parts of, of black culture for them because he, he played Jackie Robinson in, in 41. Oh, that and then was uh, so good. 42 though, right? and
1: yeah, 42, 42. Yeah. 42.
0: And, and, and black Panther, you know, that was, that was so big for the, uh, for the black community. I know because of, you know, it was, he was the first black superhero that was on the big screen and that was really important to them. And he was, uh, he was very, um, he was very emotional with that. It seemed like, and he was very proud of it. And, uh, he did a lot of good. He was very inspirational. And I'm sure that a commencement speech is just another long line of inspirational things that he probably said and did. And yeah, it's just, it's just really upsetting. And, and I, I just, I, I just still can't
4: believe it. It's still, it's still pretty shocking.
3: So young. Yeah. I mean, I did not well, know I mean, that he was obviously in his with 40s.
4: That, but... uh, we hear the LCA entertainment reviews community would like to extend our well wishes and condolences to the Bozeman family.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
4: You're here. All right, but anyway, let's get into the film itself.
5: I thought yeah. Killmonger um, was one of the most complex villains in the entirety of the MCU mm-hmm. to come from yeah. the the history. The oh, it it. It's mind boggling to think that he pulled it off the way he did to go from, you know, a a soldier to the by ritual king of Wakanda in such a short amount of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, and and I I, I was shocked, too, to see Michael B. Jordan, because um, every role we've seen him in before this movie, he's always playing the good guy. You know, he's always playing the good guy. And to see him play this ruthless, you know, take no prisoners type of villain, I I just I was floored <laughs> by his performance.
4: Yeah. Uh, so. I the, yeah, this was easily one of my favorite films throughout the entire MCU saga at this point.
0: Um, oh, and you guys also know, too, that uh, that Shuri is supposed, at least supposed to be becoming the next Black Panther now. They said that she oh, cool. would become the next Black Panther oh, I hadn't,
5: uh, aren't whenever they I think, decide I, to make it, that is. I think that's the right move.
4: Which mm-hmm. falls in line with the comics, too, because I don't know when exactly it was that the transition happened, but uh, it was Shuri that took over the Black Panther mantle. Cool. For from mm-hmm. T'Challa,
0: just tapping earlier than expected. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, let's see how that goes. So one thing I found interesting about Black Panther was Killmonger's ascent to the throne. While he clearly was disrespecting the traditions of the institution, he was taking on his challenge and victory were valid yes they were and so i found that a really interesting element of the film that these people would you know be the victims of the system that they were under um it it was just interesting like some of the characters were like he's the king now i'm part of the king's guard like i don't have a choice here but in terms of movie magic he was still a very clear-cut villain that we were like well they should you know they should deny his his ascendancy to the throne but I I couldn't help but think you know it's just very interesting that in real life that would be a very challenging position to be in as part Mm -hmm. of that Monarchical system, you know. Going back
5: to your civil war argument, that no society is incorruptible. Yeah, I mean, what?
3: Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Well, right. And and, I mean, there. That's yet again another Mm -hmm. institution in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, Marvel just kicks it in the side over and over again, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is true. Yeah. I I liked a lot about Black Panther, but it is lower on my list. I it's not one of my favorites. Um, One thing I found was really interesting is the meta jokes really pulled me out of the immersiveness. Um, I guess I should explain that. So in Guardians one and two, they do meta jokes through Star Lord. Through music, mostly they do meta jokes through Tom Holland as Spider-Man through like his pop culture references. But the, the three times, I think it was when Shuri was like, what are those? And then the other time where, um, where they talked about whipping their hair back and forth, it felt like they were supposed to make Shuri feel cutting edge, but because of the nature of filming, like her meme, Meme culture moves so quickly that she was already like two years behind by the time the yep. movie came out. So yeah. those jokes, I feel like just ended up dating.
5: I felt so bad because I couldn't help but facepalm with those jokes. It just like, it, OK, you couldn't you couldn't make a different joke. that <laughs> Like shoot one a
3: better? week before the movie comes out. But that's the nature like you just can't keep up with mm-hmm. with sure. Internet memes marvel trying to dive into meme culture as as we do a retrospective on the movie two years later (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: but uh anything major of note in black panther
5: i mean it sets up well for the you know um the over the major setting in infinity war
1: Yeah,
0: pretty much. Yeah. Without it, we don't really have that part of it. But Mm -hmm. okay, well, then I guess that's that's the perfect way to transition finally into (laughs) the last part of part one. Avengers Infinity War, one of my all time favorite Marvel movies, I got to say.
3: I thought we were doing Infinity War and Endgame together in the next. Uh, I mean,
0: we could we could do that. I mean, what do you guys think on that?
3: I, it, it, my only thought is we're 2 hours in and just about to break the seal on Infinity War this, That feels this, like I had kind it of a could... feeling that might be an issue. You yeah. do
4: have a point there. Mhm. Yeah, I don't think Infinity it would War get I feel the like time cannot it deserves.
3: Yeah. I agree. We don't I, want to rush it. I, I that even that felt that's... like we rushed Black Panther.
5: Yeah, just a tiny bit.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Just a tiny bit. Um okay, so that means part 2 will be Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Endgame, and finally Far From Home.
3: Ooh, I got to watch it.
0: it. Now you got to watch it. Now you got to watch it, yeah. Um, okay, so basically, you know, the last thing we've always got to do. What's your favorite movie from Phase 3 and your worst movie from Phase 3?
4: Well, you guys already know what my least favorite from Phase 3 is.
0: <laughs> part 1, I mean. Yeah, part 1. Go
5: ahead. Or Ragnarok, right, Jason?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. No. Civil War. Oof. Civil War is your favorite or worst?
4: Least favorite. What's your best? That's a tough one. That really is a tough one. If we're talking about for part one here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, it, this one's going to be probably Black Panther.
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. Who's next?
1: Someone else go. I can't <laughs> do this.
3: Yeah, someone else go, too. It's Alistair or Dan. All right, Al. What do you got? Uh, least favorite?
2: Guardians 2. Favorite, Black Panther.
4: What about you, Mike?
0: All right, I'll go. Um. Uh, my favorite is a tie uh, between Ragnarok and Dr. Strange.
1: Hmm.
0: And my least favorite is probably Black Panther.
3: Huh. Alistair regrets. Ooh, I forgot not, about Dr.
0: Strange. I would have yeah. made that's my favorite. Yeah. I'll oh, be changed. Okay. So your favorites now, Dr. Strange.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, 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 Dr. Okay. Strange is probably my second favorite from this part one podcast.
3: Yeah. I, I loved Doctor Strange, but I've got to give it to Civil War. Civil War's my favorite, and I think Black Panther was my least favorite.
0: Mm. Oh boy, classic <laughs> over there is tearing his tearing his eyeballs out.
3: Okay, uh,
5: spoken like a true
4: captain I, of cap, captain. <laughs> I, I don't
5: All like right, this. All right, my least favorite has to be guardians 2, because it, it this volume 1 is you kind know, of the same thing um i have two favorites and nah, not allowed I have, <laughs> it's not a, there's no ties with a coin if you have You know. can tell you can I, I, I tell us tie. which I ones you're tie. deciding
3: between but you got to pick. Only see, Mike can See
5: here's ties. the thing. Here's the <laughs> thing. Except I have favorites in two key different categories. Ones that give me
3: the feels and ones that I thoroughly enjoy all the way through. Uh, so which of those is more important to you? <sighs> feels or thorough enjoyment? I hate it because I
0: picked I between... picked one Jeremy. I've decided one. So I have one
3: now. It's my favorite. Here, Mike. He has spoken. I have spoken. Hear him. I'm gonna have to give it to Thor
5: Ragnarok because I, Civil War comes right behind it. It does. It
3: comes right behind it. You have chosen (laughs) poorly. You
5: all have. Well, Jeremy, you're gonna be happy to
0: hear. Guess what? I am picking Thor Ragnarok, slight edge as my favorite over Doctor Strange, just slightly. Yeah. Just a little bit, just because I've noticed myself rewatching Ragnarok more than Doctor Strange. So
3: ah, replayability that kind of tells
0: me a little bit edge. Yep.
3: Oh.
5: Well, Civil War is more political thriller for me.
3: Yeah, <sighs> yeah, I love Civil political War. Theater. Although, although, I still think I like Winter Soldier better. Huh it's
0: um i could agree it's with just that. so
3: hard for me but i there's moments that i just love so much about winter soldier
0: i mean i'm still partial the first captain america movie is still my favorite out of the three because i just sure. like the 1940 setting and i like tommy lee jones in that movie so
3: yeah
5: yeah so i'm surprised i well, cool. didn't so, say hulk for his least favorite this time again <laughs>
3: hulk? hulk. yeah oh
1: my god i'm surprised well, cool, you didn't guys. say um,
3: phantom menace
1: <laughs> no, he would have
3: said "Solo: A Star Wars Story." Oh, that's right. No, no, no. I still haven't seen it. You oh, guys. yet
4: another yeah, about oh. movie.
1: No, no, we are not getting
0: into that. Jeremy, nope. Jeremy,
3: yeah
0: nope. and I are the Solo lovers. Alistair and Jason are the Solo haters. Dan, you need to watch it so to we can break
3: the tie. Okay. Can we not
5: yeah. say the word "Solo lovers"? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Hey, um, that Han Solo movie, lovers. <laughs> I'll try it that way. That's fair.
3: Oh gosh.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Oof,
3: this uh, was a long one. That's good. This was tough.
0: This was a long one. That. We're now we rank was, uh, every movie from one to ten. Uh, was pretty
3: lengthy.
1: <laughs> well, no, one oh, to ten per the that, ten categories. Was... <laughs> yeah, we have to check oh, off each top. place
0: where it meets the criteria. But okay, so uh, the next one, of course, will be those final, uh, what, final five Marvel films, and the then final uh, five films. We yep. don't have a phase four yet. We don't have a phase four yet because Black Widow and Internals did not come out this year as expected. Mm-hmm. All right.
4: So well, it's obviously cool when those come out, right, then guys. we get the, all to get the chance to finally watch them. We'll obviously start doing. Jeremy, those you got to fly into Cleveland solos. so we can all I don't watch. Whatever the it hell together. that
1: is. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yeah. Well, we'll see what but, the quarantine okay. time is with that.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
2: tickets will be cheap.
0: Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, tickets will be cheap. We'll just do it as a Zoom watch. We'll all just watch the movie together on Zoom. It'll be the, uh, the podcast go. watch uh, live
3: stream. Nice. I now, can a, keep my so cool. phone in my pocket. <laughs> that's a fun idea to think about. <laughs> no um, recording. Like doing each movie by itself after watching it. Yeah. What we should do cool, though, to, uh, is take a streaming device. Yeah, take a streaming device to the theater <laughs> and talk about it as we watch it in the theater <laughs> with everybody <laughs> who's watching, watching it like for the first the time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As that, much, that a, as, much, much as I off. love
4: that idea, I'm not okay with uh, getting thrown out because yeah, I am sure not. It's Friday night when I am God. not good at hiding <laughs> that stuff. So, <laughs> and I will sing like a canary yeah. if I get caught.
2: Yep. <laughs> Dan, yeah, Dan, your hair is goofiest. Point. You could hide it in your hair. That's true. I'll put yeah, a
4: camera well, yeah, like right here. Point. You can hide it right in that big scraggly beard you got going on there, Allison. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hide it
0: right in the stash. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sure. Thanks to all right. anybody that Guys. watched live and listening. All right, everybody, we will see you all on, well, phase three, part two of Marvel.